ears to good friends. Cheers. 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 Hmm. That's sort of an oaky afterbirth. What was that? She did tell me to uh, get a beer and some cheese fries over at Eskimo Joe's. That's very nice, lovely. I only hope you feel this way when I'm done. Because I could destroy this night in two seconds. Why is that funny? <laughs> well, I think it's a bit funny to be trying to define nothing. <laughs> Smooth as a bourbon on a summer day. Strong as a peated scotch in the winter night. This is a fair warning. The Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Adam Minahan here, sitting with David Niles. We actually have uh, a full house this evening or this afternoon, but not with our regular guests. Juan's not here. Jim's not here. But we have everybody uh, accounted for. Um, substituting the, the seats are people. all taken. The, yes, yes, the seats are all taken. Um, so it's great to have everybody here. Father Brian O'Brien is here, who is who's been a guest. Actually, the most frequent guest on the Catholic Man Show, possibly. That is like a number. I think that changes uh somewhat frequently there's people who are in the running so father you might have to come back on soon just to solidify you're you're just to make sure yeah you know yes and we also have a seminarian from the diocese of tulsa in eastern oklahoma uh kyle dowd w- here in in uh, juan's spot this evening Welcome. good to have you he's uh a he's doing a what, what's it called father a year of Past, yes, a pastoral year at uh, St. Francis Xavier, one of the most beautiful churches uh, in eastern Oklahoma. Uh, along I'd say number two. It's a pretty, it's a it's pretty it's clear-cut number two. It's Holy Family is obviously the, the prettiest. I mean, come on, Father. You just Let's be honest. It's gorgeous. <laughs> but you're a, you mean, obviously number two. Like, don't even come at me with Christ the King, okay? It's just not as pretty. Oh, Pahuska is also yeah, really is pretty. pretty. And, right, then, and they're building another really pretty church in Stillwater. That's true. So. Stillwater is gonna like you're really packing some punches, you know, like yeah. as far as beautiful churches go. Yes. take that Protestants. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a a a, uh, a special guest this evening. Um, we have Dr. John Bergsma from Steubenville. It's great to have you here. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you. I was gonna Good say, to be I here. Keep saying this evening because we normally record That's in the right. evening, but it's it's afternoon. The thing is, people on the podcast they have no they idea. they have no idea what time. So yeah, it works. I don't even know what time it is. Right. <laughs> yeah, you just, got back, you just got back. You just got back. Are you just flying around in a plane? Yeah. yeah. Is this your first time to Tulsa? It's not my first time to Tulsa. It's my second time to Tulsa. All okay. Right. Awesome. So, how yeah. was your first time? My first time was great. Okay. It was All so right. great he came back. Yeah. To, so nice. He had to do it twice. A barbecue. Oh man, we, we know we understand how to pork. do barbecue. Yeah, yeah, you know how to do barbecue. Oh my gosh, yeah, so good. Yeah, so maybe a little bit about yourself. You're a father of eight. Father of eight. Yeah, sure am. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot that I could say about myself because one of my favorite topics. But, uh, <laughs> uh, how do we keep this short? Um, my dad was a Navy chaplain. Um, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. Uh, became a Protestant pastor in West Michigan. 
for a number of years, went through seminary, graduate school in theology there, uh, was married and uh, had a bunch of kids while I was still up in Grand Rapids, then moved to Notre Dame to do a doctorate in scripture. Okay. South Bend, Indiana. Had some more kids, became Catholic there. That's an interesting story. Be telling that story in Stillwater tonight. Okay. Actually. Awesome. Um, and then uh, finished my doctorate in scripture at Notre Dame. Okay. And then Dr. Scott Hahn called me. Covenant. Yes, Covenant. <laughs> said, John, come to Steubenville and work with me. You can be my assistant. <laughs> so uh, I did that. Did that for a year. That was 2003. And uh, as often happens to people that move to Steubenville, end up getting sucked into the whirling vortex that is Franciscan University. Yes. So somebody left there that created an opening and I threw my hat in the ring, got hired. Been teaching scripture at Franciscan University of Stephenville. Sweet. For almost 20 years. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. A lot of really life. great guys uh, in yeah. Steubenville. Like mm-hmm. this coming another, we kind of pride ourselves in, in Tulsa or the Eastern Oklahoma of being kind of a Catholic culture, like a, a hub of Catholic culture. But mm-hmm. Steubenville is kind of doing the same thing, right? There's yeah. a lot of, a lot of really great guys. There are uh, a lot of great families in Steubenville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a small place, but we pack a, we, we uh, punch above our weight. There you go. Yeah. Nice. There you go. Yeah. 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 So um, if anybody's interested in some of your your work, you give a lot of different talks. Obviously, I do. you're doing one tonight in Stillwater. Uh, where could they go to find some of your stuff? Yeah. CatholicBibleTeacher.com. Man, what a URL. Nice. Yeah. Is that nice? Nice. I like Snagged it. Snagged that like one. It. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Got that one. CatholicBibleTeacher.com. That redirects because uh, I say, you know, JohnBergsma.com. And it was like, Bergsma. How do you spell, do you spell that? How do you spell uh, Bergsma? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that like. ER, like a Berg, or yeah, you yeah. are, yeah. you know, so right. Catholic Bible teacher. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can come on pilgrimage with me to Israel. You can uh, buy books. You can buy CDs, instant MP3 downloads, all kinds of stuff. Nice. Sky's and, the limit. And one of the things uh, you actually given a talk on something that we're going to be talking about tonight or this evening is. Um, Holy habits of a family. Seven holy habits right. of a family. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? 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 Like uh, brought you to that um, title or, or that desire to give that talk? Yeah. Sure. So um, you know that seven habits thing was all the rage uh, like a decade ago or whatever. Highly uh, do, effective people. Yeah. Or, exactly. Yeah. The famous book and other spinoffs. So as you know, it's seven this, seven that. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Well, it is a perfect number. Yeah, it is a covenant number. Yeah. As Dr. Scott Hahn would say, <laughs> yeah. covenant. Yeah. Yeah. Seven oneself, <laughs> forming the covenant, uh, which is true. He's right about that. But um, so yeah, so you know, kind of that framework of you know, what are the top seven things you want to do to keep your kids Catholic, you know, make them Catholic, keep them Catholic. You know, we don't really make them Catholic. God does that. But uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, keep them in the faith, raise them in the faith. And uh, so I just use that framework and uh, very basic. I mean, this is not this is not a talk that I give that's like I'm drawing on Hebrew, you know, and doing intense exegesis of Ecclesiastes or something like that. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is basic meat and potato stuff because... Um, being a Bible scholar doesn't like automatically by osmosis, you know, put all this scriptural knowledge in one's children or even particularly make them, you know, uh, more prayerful or mm-hmm. really? more virtuous. Or no, no, it has absolutely no <laughs> effect at all. I need to go unenroll myself from some <laughs> classes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no effect at all. So, um, you know, I, I have to, you know, my wife and I, everything's 
been dent to heart work. Uh, I've got no tailwind at all from uh, from having a doctorate in theology um, <laughs> in terms of raising my own kids. So what do you do? You know, what are the, what are the, the basic stuff? So that's, that's what I like to talk about. And yeah. it's not just like, you know, because some of the things we're going to talk about are, are obvious, like go to mass and go right. to confession. But, you know, it's, it's how do you do that? Mm-hmm. And, and what are you conveying to your kids by the way that you go about, you know, attending mass and stuff? And uh, there's all kinds of indirect communication that takes place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you're, you know, kids are like, uh, you know, dogs and wild animals they smell fear and you know detect your ulterior motives and all of that so they they smoke you out and uh so yeah, you gotta they're really good at, at having a bs meter they have a better right. bs meter that's than right. most most adults I exactly think. right <laughs> if they don't believe you if you yeah. don't believe in what you're saying they can, de- definitely, they can tell. definitely tell yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so have so. you did you figure that just because somebody understands the theoretical or like the 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 understanding that sometimes it's hard to put that into practice to to make it practical uh it just seems yeah. like sometimes that you can have all this head knowledge you can have an understanding but then it's like okay now go do it and there's right. a disconnect between the theoretical and the practical yeah totally and um it's it's the difference between say uh Jewish education and eastern education generally in like Western education, Western education, you go someplace, you read a book, you take tests on it, whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jewish education is about imitating the whole person. So, you know, you, you, you apprentice yourself to a rabbi and you become his disciple and then mm-hmm. you imitate everything that he does, you know, mm-hmm. down to the way that he eats, how he uses his fork, how he walks, you know, and the, uh, the Jewish literature, mm-hmm. you know, that like the Talmud, which is this big, uh, a compilation of rabbinic lore, you know, is full of funny stories about the outrageous things that that rabbinic disciples did in order to imitate their rabbi, you uh-huh. know, hiding under his bed, you know, sneaking into his house, following him <laughs> to the outhouse, you know, to, you know, embody, you know, but that's, but that's very biblical. It's like, it's incarnational and, and that's how we follow Christ, you know, and so, one of the you know one of the habits that we should have as men is daily reflection on scripture you know maybe read the read the new testament daily um, and reflect on christ and think about you know how do i imitate him you know wh- wh- how does he react when people come at him how does he handle different uh, you know conflicts how does he handle conversational situations etc and, and and try to embody christ and think well what does that mean now to me today and how do i put that in so it's this it's this full body imitation mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah and again in in western education we have that kind of disconnect where we can learn something intellectually and not put it into practice so we train people to be hydrologists rather than swimmers you know, but the the end that's of Matthew. You know, <laughs> that's great. The end of Matthew says, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's what our Lord commissions the mm-hmm. the apostles to do. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference. Teaching them all that I commanded is a far cry from teaching them to observe all that I commanded. Yeah, teaching them to know or teaching them to do to yeah. actually do it right. exactly. Right. Okay, well, we're here with Dr. John Bergsma from Steubenville Franciscan University. Uh, We will be right back.
Think of the men in your life, your brother, your father-in-law, your neighbor, your coworker, the guy who sits in front of you in, in mass every single Sunday. How are you going to help these guys find freedom as sons of God and help them start living the Christian life. I mean, that's what we're called to do in baptism, right? And one concrete way we can do that to make disciples of men is invite them to Exodus 90 that begins January 9th, 2023. Exodus 90 leads men on a 90-day journey through the book of Exodus, taking them back to the fundamentals of the faith. This is prayer, self-denial, and brotherhood. Dave, the crazy thing is 99% of the people who do Exodus 90 report greater freedom from worldly attachments when they finish. And what's more... Doing Exodus 90 in a fraternity versus going it alone can actually make or break a man's 90 days. Right. So again, ask yourself, who are the men in your life that could benefit from doing Exodus 90 this year? Think of their faces in your mind. Right now. Now, outside of your mind, write them down. Make an actual list. The worst thing they can do is say no to you. That's right. And then take action. Take the list of prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit about it and ask the Holy Spirit how you can help them. The Exodus 90 team has created a free resource. This guide will help you on your journey to freedom and help you share the journey with other men. Check out exodus90.com slash catholicmanshow to get your free guide. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. Here with Adam Minahan, our special guest, Dr. John Bergsma, not a medical doctor, clear that up doctor Thank you. doctorate in scripture 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 that's right you know what is up with atheist so-called scripture scholars right they exist first of all if you're an atheist why did you decide i'm gonna like dedicate my life to this scripture <laughs> i don't get that mm-hmm. these people are so confusing to me can you offer me any insight sure they probably weren't an atheist to begin with they probably had some kind of faith went to grad school lost their faith and then got an, on a mission, you know, grew to hate their faith, and then got on a mission to disabuse the young people of America of their unwarranted belief in the Bible. So and they, so they came to that like part that. about like being hot or cold. It's they usually, thought it was just 50-50, just pick a path. Yeah, well, usually, they you know, the they, they get exposed to certain kinds of biblical scholarship that are kind of ideologically driven in graduate school and then that kind of shipwrecks their faith and mm. and they go over to the other side yeah but you're right they're out there i think i would do something else with my life i think so too i mean that i enjoyed contracting you know plumbing right you know. just something right just, or, or even just like things that sit, make more money sit around on unemployment that sounds better than right. like <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like Probably a, pays better than the professorship doctor. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. That. If you're an atheist scripture scholar, you might sell a lot of books. You know, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the market is out I, there. I don't know either. Because like religious people don't want a book by an atheist. No. And no. atheists don't want to read about the Bible. So that's true. You know what? I just yeah, don't think right. there's much of a market that for is, it. That is a tough sell. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like ex-believers that want something to hit their parents with or something like right, that. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... It's a niche market. Not a, yeah, not a fun not a fun market. No. Yeah, uh, anyway. but, so we're talking about, though, we're going to talk about the seven habits for a holy family, mm-hmm. um, practical ways of basically building up the domestic church, um, right. being able to implement the faith uh, also outside of the church. Something mm-hmm. that Dave and I actually uh, just finished writing a book with our wives on, um, mm-hmm. and so we thought that this would be a good topic to discuss um, with you. And so I'll, I'll kind of throw it over to you. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the first thing is always mass, source mm-hmm. and summit. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I always start off talking about mass, going to mass as a family. Um, you know, you guys, I don't know if you guys quote these these stats in, in your book, but, you know, it's it's really impressive. The studies that have, done, that have been done on the influence of dad, um, mm-hmm. on religious modeling, uh, you know, it's the... Um, uh, government of Switzerland uh, back in the 90s did a study found that if of two parents only one went to church if it was the dad there was about a 45% chance that the children would grow up and go to church regularly if their mm-hmm. father went but mm-hmm. not their mother if the mother went but not the father there was about a 2% chance right. that they would end up so there's kind of this, this natural you know modeling that you know you see it in scripture you know, the patriarchs, they function as priests for their family. They're the ones offering the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So as men, we got to step up. we got to be priests for the family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so your kids can tell what really matters. And so, yeah, going to Mass is important, but you know, it's also how do you go to Mass? How okay. do you attend Mass, right? Because if you're rushing to get out of Mass, to get home and watch the game, then what are you communicating to your kids? That the about, game is more important than yeah, mass. Absolutely. So you're just trying to get this done right. so that way you can get over Right. Got to check, check this box. Check so, box. You can, so you can do the real things for the day. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. we get our God stuff out of the way and then we go have fun, which is, you know, so your kids are going to pick up on that and that's going to be their priorities. Uh, so again, it's it's how do we go to mass? So it, it, it gets down to a lot of practical things. You know, shoes. Shoes are a big shoes. deal. Shoes. Shoes can be of the devil. Oh, man. It's you know? like, do they even have them on when we get to Mass? That's it? right. <laughs> that <laughs> literally <laughs> happened to me on Sunday. <laughs> Li- like, we got out of the car and Bernadette has uh, she's, has no shoes on. And I, so I'm like carrying her in Are with the shoes in one hand. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Bernadette, you know what? You're four. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> right. So I think like Mass going starts with like getting the shoes out on Saturday night. Mm. And and I oh they were out okay yeah. okay okay all right well you did your job then yeah okay. just throwing your four year old under the bus yes yeah. <laughs> what we're doing here well I, I you know I can't boast that I was that good but you know our thing was okay mass is in fifteen minutes and we can't find a match right you know it's like one one kid has only one shoe right. And so everybody's searching the house, you know, and and then you start sniping at each other. Oh yeah, you know it's like, well, honey, why didn't you get the shoes out? Well, why didn't you get the shoes out? You know, right. blah, 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 you know. So I mean, so I think as dads, you know, I, I, have you guys read Extreme Ownership by um, uh, this uh, U.S. Navy SEAL? Oh gosh, I'm blanking. Our, our listeners are probably thinking, oh yeah, and they've all got his name right in their head. Anyway, uh, highly recommend this book. It's called okay. Extreme Ownership by two. Um, uh, two former U.S. Navy SEALs <laughs> who had been in the Iraq conflict, mm-hmm. but one of the one of the the main point of the book is that um, you know the primary principle of leadership uh, that they inculcate in the SEALs, which are kind of like the ultimate you know military force mm-hmm. in the U.S. arsenal, right? Right. What they teach these guys is you got to take total responsibility for your unit. You know, and if you're the commanding officer, you are responsible for everything that goes wrong. And if anything is successful, you give all the credit to your team. You know, that's kind of the mentality, you know, so you own every failure. So I think that, I mean, I was deeply moved by this book. This book actually helped me be a better spiritual role model for my family. Because Mm. one of the things I did was I stopped complaining when things weren't going right in the home. Mm. 
And instead of like, oh, you know, the kids don't have clean clothes or dinner's not ready or whatever, instead of like, you know, sniping at my wife or whatever, I start thinking, well, what can I do to change the situation? You know, and if I can't do it myself, can I delegate it? You know, mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, arrange something, you know? And uh, so, I mean, like this gets to, gets down to, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of getting to mass. It's like, guys, let's take ownership for mm-hmm. getting the family ready on time. And let's not be, you know, sitting there. I mean, it doesn't take us long as guys to get ready. Like, like what, 10 minutes and you're ready to go to church, right? Yeah, basically. Your wife, I'm sure it's like 90 minutes, okay? So instead of like getting ready and then going and, you know, sipping coffee or reading the paper or whatever, you know, let's get ourselves ready and then let's go make sure there's a match for every, sh- you know, for every shoe for the kids and mm-hmm. things like that. Get things ready Saturday before. So that w- what you're doing is, is you're planning to be peaceful and to be ready to receive grace, to receive the Holy Spirit, to be open, to be focused on God rather than being all tense and rushed and whatnot when when the whole family gets to church on on Sunday morning. So mm-hmm. that's that's something. And then and then on the way home too, like is it is mass like one and done? Like we go there and then as soon as we walk out and start driving home, we forget about it and start talking about other things. Mm-hmm. And so I think a great practice for us as, as dads is you go to Mass, remember, you know, think about what the readings are. Think about what the homily is. Show respect to your spiritual father. He's a spiritual dad of the whole parish. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, presumably spent some effort, you know, thinking of what to say to his spiritual family. And if we don't own that, if we don't receive that, then we're wasting his time, we're wasting our own time, etc. Right. So I firmly believe that the pastor of every parish has what we call grace estate. That means like God is using him, and uh, and God gives him special graces to speak a special word to that spiritual family, which is your local parish. So go you know, receive what your spiritual dad said in his homily, and then talk about it with your kids on the way home. So you're in the car, you're driving back, you're going to go, you know, go home, get lunch. And so, so, so ask your kids, like, can anybody remember what any of the readings were? Right. <laughs> any of the readings, right? Right. Like, can we at least remember what the gospel was? Okay. And now what did Father say? You know, mm-hmm. what did Father? And then, you know, it's, you know, kids will remember bits and pieces of the homily. So try to re- reconstruct the homily from, you know, memories of those in the car. And then, and then you know, ask the question, well, is there anything that we can do this week to to put this into practice. Is there anything mm-hmm. that we can do to act on this? And I think that's fantastic. I think if we do that every week with our kids, then we're really showing that we as, you know, the head of the household, we are showing respect for our spiritual fathers and that this is really important. And it's not just one and done. It's just like we're, we got a message from God mm-hmm. and these are these are our marching orders for the week and we're going to try to implement this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I, I strongly encourage the guys to to stay after mass. I think that's where Catholic community is built, right? It's not yeah. you're, like you're not trying to get out of mass to get out of the parking lot to right. be everybody, you know, out of the parking lot. But where Catholic culture really like takes place is after yeah. mass where you right. get to have real conversations with, you know, the people sitting around you in your pews, you know, yeah. worshiping with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's why for years I've run I've been the donut ministry guy oh, at my parish. My kids love you. <laughs> love the donut like right. what did what did parents do? Food gives you so an excuse to be around. Yeah, I do, right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Right. You gotta give something, you know, coffee, yeah. something, you know? Right. So I think that if you're like a a normal, regular sized parish, and you don't have donuts after mass. You better look yourself There's a in problem. the eyes. Yeah. Okay, you yeah. better. You go into the bathroom and you look in the mirror. I believe I have been responsible for many marriages. 
Boom. Yes. Because certainly. kids got to meet each other because <laughs> I provided donuts. You That's know? right. I mean, what did yeah. what parents used to do before they could blackmail their kids with you either get a donut or you don't get a donut based on your your behavior during mass? I know. Like, what happened? It's, like, it's had, a negotiating tool. How did they tool. do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's th- they're necessary. I think yeah. you had a paddle at home. Is what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man, you are really politically incorrect. Type man. of negotiating. <laughs> <laughs> Let's turn his mic off. Yeah. <laughs> You're canceled, dude. Yeah. So my mom, my my wife's <laughs> grandpa, he had a paddle, and I don't think I don't know that he ever used it, but on it it said the Board of Education. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've I seen just, those. I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> like you know what? There's a lot of truth in that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, enough pounding and the information travels from the Through backside of the brain. Yeah. The greatest lesson I ever learned was right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so when we get back, we're going to continue the conversation with Dr. John Bergsma. From Steubenville, Ohio, Franciscan University. Go check it out. What was it? Catholic Teacher or CatholicBibleTeacher.com. CatholicBibleTeacher.com. We'll be right back. For over 35 years, Select International Tours has been planning pilgrimages all across the world, and they've been doing that for a reason. Yeah, if you guys have listened to our show, then you know that we just got back from Ireland. Uh, We used Select International Tours to book our pilgrimage to Ireland. Everything went just great. It went exactly how we planned it. Right. right? In fact, one of the pilgrims uh, said that it was his the best pilgrimage he's ever been on. Right. I mean, so the thing is, they know what they're doing. If if you want to go on a nice pilgrimage uh, that's really you know oriented around experiencing the Catholic faith um, in some of the most historic, most important sites all over the world for the history of our faith, go to selectinternationaltours.com. They have pilgrimages going everywhere in the world all the time just because you know they, they do it so well, everybody wants to use them. That's right. And if you go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow, you'll be one of the first ones to know when we're planning our next pilgrimage, which spring or summer 2024. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow. We want to thank Select International Tours for being a sponsor of our show, The Catholic Man Show. Welcome back to the Catholic Command Show, here with Dr. John Bergsma, talking about the seven uh, habits for a holy family. Now, I know that we've only hit the first one, uh-huh. uh, and I'm going to go back to it for just a second, because <laughs> I just have a question for you sure. on it, and then we'll continue on. But what if you don't feel like, should you be using your emotions to judge whether or not something is effective, especially going to Mass? Because what if you just... It, it, like easy like Sunday morning is not something for 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 a Catholic family, right? Sunday mornings are typically the most stressful morning <laughs> out of all the, the whole week. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to get everybody ready. Right. You get there. Uh, you're just trying to make sure that it's a spiritual workout. You have kids climbing all over. You're just trying to make sure that they're behaving. That, that everybody's right. gone to the restroom. That they've gone back. Right. You're you're getting. You know. You're you're trying your best to make sure that they're not running around in the commons and like. You know, right. DDTing each other and you know uh, <laughs> all this stuff, and so like you're you're driving back home, and at least if, make sure it's on the carpet. Yeah, make you sure. Know. I mean, if they're gonna throw each other in a headlock. Let's make sure that it's not on concrete. But right. you get home and you realize, you know that I I don't feel any spiritual gratification at all. Yeah. From com- from going to mass, and that yeah. was incredibly difficult. Yeah, yeah. Like 
No, then it was a perfect offering of love because you just did something for God's sake without getting any kind of warm fuzzies inside. And you should feel good about yourself, actually, to say, you know what? I can make that a perfect sacrifice. Because everybody goes to church when it makes them feel good. Mm. But only those who love go to church when it's not making them necessarily feel good. So the same thing with dryness and prayer. You know, why do we keep praying even when, when we go through periods of dryness? Well, I always tell my students, you know, those periods of dryness are your opportunity to show God that you really love Him and that you're not just in it for the warm fuzzies that you get when you have a spiritual high. And that, that's the message of the book of Job, right? Because Satan comes and says, hey, Job, you know, God, Job only serves you because he gets warm fuzzies and perks. Mm -hmm. So take those away and he won't love you. And it doesn't work. And Job still loves mm -hmm. through all of that. And, um, you know, so that's what we're called to do. And the feelings come back eventually, but, um, you know, we push through and we make those acts of sacrifice. And then your kids are learning that, wow, for dad, um, church is just as important as his work or medical appointments or school, all of which we do, whether we feel like it or not, you know, because the important stuff, we always show up, right? Yep. Great point. So if, if we don't do it when we're not feeling it, they're like, oh, you know, church is different than a doctor's appointment, school, uh, job, et cetera, because those things we do no matter what, but church we only do if we feel like it, you mm. know? So wrong message, you know, wrong message of priorities there. Yeah. So, no, good that's stuff. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm glad. Glad we touched that. Sense. Okay. So what's, what's number two? Number two is confession. Yeah. Goes again, the confession. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, again, how do you do it? And uh, setting the example, like uh, instead of sending your kids, you know, taking your kids, you go yourself, um, you know, frequently, mm -hmm. um, you know, as, you know, either weekly or no less than monthly. You know, there's different philosophies of how frequently to go, but I would say no, no spiritual writer I've read says less than monthly. Mm -hmm. And more than weekly is probably not practical. But, right. um, but unless, yeah. Unless you need to go. Yeah, well, absolutely. Then, then you go that, every day if you have right. to, yeah. Yeah, but, but then that's another good thing about going regularly is because if you only go when you've got a mortal sin then, you know, it's embarrassing. It's like, well, why are you going to Mass right now? I mean, why are you going to confession? Right. But if you regularly go, uh -huh. you know, then, it, then like if we go every Saturday, like family, a whole family goes every Saturday or a whole family goes every other Saturday, then, uh, you know, then, then, then your child, you know, doesn't feel like he's outing himself. Right. Like, well, what did you do? Right. <laughs> yeah, such that. Exactly. Such that you're asking to go to confession uh -huh. or whatever. Right. Um, so, you know, that's important and, um, trying to make it enjoyable. You know, when my kids re were younger, I mean, most of my kids are, you know, college age now or older, but when I had a crew of, uh, younger kids, you know, go out for ice cream afterwards, go to confession, we go celebrate, you know, sweeten it up. I mean, heck, we'll celebrate all kinds of, yeah, yeah. I think ice cream makes everything go yeah, I mean, work better. I, I do that anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Reward yourself. That's it. Yeah. It's create create I these mean, internal incentives. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you get ice cream? I mean, yeah, doesn't everybody Robbins. get ice cream? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, so shout out shout out also to the priests uh, who give uh, have opportunity for confession right before mass. Yes. Right, because uh, and then even into mass, there's there's been many of times where either uh, 
we just have not been able to get there on Saturday. Saturday afternoon is, mm-hmm. is kind of like one of the worst times yeah. for yeah. a family. That yeah. is like right in the middle of Saturday afternoon. Right. Mm-hmm. Stop the whole day to go. That's, that's, right. Yeah, that's three tough. o'clock. Like you're right in the middle of doing Off something. Often sports. Right. You know? Everything else. So soccer games. If we can, if you can go like, hey, no, 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 we're gonna go thirty minutes before mass. You know, yeah. we're gonna get to mass, but you know, thirty minutes ahead of time to go yeah. to confession. Right. It makes it a lot easier for families. It does indeed. Yeah. So and, and just scheduling more times, you know, evenings mm-hmm. in the week and stuff like that. Uh, you know, up until about ten years ago, in in, in my diocese, uh, they would stop mass. Uh, I start, excuse me, stop confession several days before major holidays. It's like uh, they'd have no, hmm. no, con- you know, like get all your confessions done, and then during Holy Week, no confessions. And that was so counterintuitive. I'm not sure exactly. I think it was because the liturgies were so busy and they were like, you know, free up the priest's time during these busy liturgical seasons. But about 10 years ago, they changed that and they started offering like extensive confession opportunities during Passion Week and just before Christmas. And boy, you know, that was great because for lay people, that's when you have some time off. You know, I've got a couple days off around the holidays and like now I can really get to Mm -hmm. confession, maybe do a little bit of longer confession, you know, because I'm not so rushed and stuff like that. And boy, it's been great, you know, Mm -hmm. for for, um, the Catholic culture in our area. Yeah. But yeah, you know, setting that example, going to confession, being positive about it, doing it on a regular basis, making sure, you know, your kids can't drive. They don't have a driver's license. They can't just drive themselves down to to uh, the parish and, and for, for confession. You, Your minor children, you have to be close to them spiritually and be available and let them know that if they need to get confession, you as dad will make it happen. No questions asked, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. You'll, right. you'll, uh, you'll get them down there and that it's perfectly acceptable and they're not imposing on you so that they feel comfortable if they feel a spiritual need that they can go right to their parents and, and get to, get to confession quickly. Yeah. No that is, that is an yeah. important but delicate balancing act between being the disciplinarian of the house right. and simultaneously this person where, hey, you can come to me and tell me anything. You know, it's like, because, hey, I need to go to confession. Bottom line is, I did something wrong. Right. You know, and like maybe the dad already knows about it, you know, but maybe he doesn't, you know, and but you don't want to be a barrier mm-hmm. between the mercy of God right. you know, and your child. That's the opposite of what we're called to do. So it, it is a difficult thing, but it needs yeah. to be hand, it needs to be. Yeah. You need to be intentional about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And a good friend of mine um, has uh, and I kind of picked this up from him has um, like Jubilee days for his kids, like every, you know, couple of months said, yeah. I think Saturday is going to be a Jubilee day. And that means you can go to dad and tell dad whatever, and there will be no consequences for it. Just like, you know, you get uh, Be prepared amnesty. for that. I'm yeah. not doing that. Amnesty. I might do it because I only have one boy. Yeah. Right? So maybe that actually right. could work out. You've got, you've got four boys. Yeah, you know, three. Three. Boy. three. Yeah. yeah. How many do you have? Well, you might have four. I may have four, yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm speaking a prophetic message. Maybe. That'd be right awesome. Now. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, so our, our kids are, uh, my, my second oldest just went through his first confession. Um, and one of the things that really helped him, he told me afterwards is that, uh, m- mom and dad like went through like what it would be like to go to confession. So we kind of like role played that out. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause like they've never, they, they don't know what it, we kind of forget. Gonna be like. they, they don't know. We don't, they don't know what it's going to happen whenever closet, we close the door. What right? happens? Yeah, what happens? Yeah. And so uh, when we role-played that out and said, like, here's what's going to happen, you close the door, and then, like, you go through an actual, you know, kind of mm-hmm. confession, it really prepared 
him mentally on like what is going right. to take place. There's took a lot of the guessing work out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just had my kids watch the movie Calvary uh, (laughs) before their first confession. You know, the one about the Irish priest who dies at the end. Right. Yeah. I think that really helped. Dave Dave, Dave (laughs) gives really good parenting advice. Um, uh, Okay. So what's the next one? What what do we got next? Uh, So rosary. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, and um, there are different ways you can do it. Um, Now, at different times, you know, my my wife and I've been married thirty years, and you know, kids have gone through a lot of different stages. There's some stages that are in our family life, we would uh, pray together as a family, mm-hmm. uh, do mm-hmm. family rosary around dinner time or something like that. Tough to do, um, tough. yeah, can be tough to do. Right, but um, other times, uh, you know, kind of like now, um, there's an expectation that everybody in the house is going to pray the rosary sometime. And, um, you know, uh, usually every day there's, there's some of us that drive to Youngstown every day because I, w- I have one son who goes to a special school up there. And uh, so the, the three or four that drive to Youngstown uh, will pray in the car, mm-hmm. you know, and those that are Oh, wait, you're home. not talking about Youngstown State. No, Youngstown, Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not Youngstown not, not, State. No. Okay. I thought, I thought you were making a joke about that. And I, okay. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I thought you it's just fine. didn't like Youngstown State. This is what no. I... Okay. Anyway. No. <laughs> That's why I was That's laughing. Kind of yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, it's, it's different. Um, but... Uh, yeah, but you know, there's the you know, so it, it's kind of nice, and uh, you know, periodically I'll, I'll see uh, a couple of my kids, and like my, maybe my daughter will ask one of my sons, like, "Have you have you prayed your rosary today?" Mm-hmm. It's like, "Oh no, I haven't prayed it yet." You know, it's like, "Oh, you want to pray it with me?" So they'll break off and they'll go and and do that. So uh, different ways you could do it, you know, like, as I said, gathered as a family, or eat, but there should be that expectation in the home that this is something that we do daily, that they model that, and that you model as as, as a father. So. Uh, you know, sometimes in the morning, I'm, I'll, I'll be praying my rosary and, and sipping my coffee, you know, very early in the morning, get up before the rest of the family. And I know when my kids come down the stairs, they're going to see that, hey, dad's praying his rosary, mm-hmm. you know. So this is something that is associated with manhood. This is, you know, something that's just part of the air that we breathe and so on. Yep. So, yeah, setting that modeling. Beautiful. I mean, yeah, Dave, yeah. you actually talked about this on Every Knee Show Bows podcast uh, yeah. that just was released uh, recently about the importance of the father getting up early and being the, the first one to pray to set the, the tone of the day yep. Yep. before your kids have any opportunity to mess up, you know, <laughs> to give them as much grace as possible to get yeah, through that sure. day. You want them to know that a man prays. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we'll be right back. Hey, guys, David Niles here from the Catholic Man Show with Adam Minahan. And if you haven't heard, we wrote a book. With our wives, so you know it's good. That's right. And it's on the domestic church called Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. And that's exactly what it's about. How to live the faith beyond just going to Mass on Sunday. How to experience and live your life at home so that we can grow towards holiness. That's right. And it's published by Ascension Press. So go to ascensionpress.com, search for Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place to get your copy or buy in bulk. Cheers to Jesus. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan, Dr. John Bergsma. We're talking about seven habits for holy families. Absolutely. There are others. There are others. But these but are these seven. These are seven. Kind of at the top of the list. Yeah. They're cardinal habits. Ind- mm. Indubitably. Yes. Mm. So I love that word. Mass, confession, mm. rosary. rosary. Yeah. And then two, two more kind of combine them, uh, which would be uh, uh, family dinner. Yeah, 
and uh, spiritual reading and prayer, which are kind of one, the spiritual reading and the prayer. Uh-huh. But they can go together very well, okay? Mm-hmm. Family dinner, first of all, it's shocking how much that is not happening. I know. I'm sure you guys are all over it, but... You know, uh, it's it's shocking how much it does not happen. We, we were I was taking my kids to um, the uh, botanical gardens in Pittsburgh some years ago, mm-hmm. and there was a big poster there um, advertising a citywide effort. It was like churches, the city government, and other agencies and so on all gathered together that were like fostering encouraging the families of pittsburgh to eat together Hmm. and you know what their goal was to get every family in pittsburgh to have family together family dinner together once a month (laughs) what wow once a month once a month i don't understand that how are the children start how are the children (laughs) eating yeah if it's not when the parents make the food yeah. Are they letting them make a take a plate like up to the room to watch television or something? You know, something like that is happening. Really? Yeah. You know. So wow. I, I was just I was just amazed at how low the bar was and and that like if we just, you know, get it to that point that we're making progress. Hmm. Um but uh you know, we got to fight for it. Um you know, with sports and music and all these after school activities, you know, it's different whether you're, you know, homeschooling or your kids are in more traditional school. Um, but there's there's all these things that compete for our time. But that family dinner is really kind of the family Eucharist. You know, it's the it's the domestic family meal. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And as Dr. Scott Hahn would say, you know, families, you know, meals build family. They're covenantal. That's why meals are involved in co- in covenantal solemnization all through the scriptures. <laughs> you know. So, but but seriously, you know, it, it, it's really? bonding. It, it's meal times is one of the few times where you get to experience yourselves all together as a family, mm-hmm. like I'll see all each other and do something communally. So, you know, that's important, and you you got to fight for it. You got to fight against all the other things that are competing for your family time, and 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 again, extreme ownership. That was Jocko Willink, by the way. Yes, and Leif Babin. Yeah. Those are the two authors of yeah. of uh, extreme ownership. So we, we got to take responsibility for that. But, but, but combined with that, w- when you're gathered for the meal, then that becomes the, a super opportunity to read from Scripture or from a spiritual book and then pray together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw a beautiful prayer board downstairs. Yeah. So it looks like you guys are real experts on praying together as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but a great place to start is just you know praying after dinner. And, and having a little scripture reading. There's so many different, you know, kids' Bibles. We've done like, I don't know, half a dozen kids' Bibles over the years, um, you know, in, in this context, letting the kids read, you know, the Bible story. And uh, as they grow, you know, and learn to read, that's a big thing when, when, when they can, you know, have their first opportunity to read the Bible story after right? dinner. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. a big deal for, for kids. And, um, and, then, and then you pray. And, uh, Different ways to do that, but you know, it's it's basically Thanksgivings and intentions are usually how it breaks down. So, sharing Thanksgiving, sharing thanks uh, intentions, and then you can go around uh, around the family and everybody offer a brief prayer, or you can pray yourself. But eventually, uh, you would want your kids to learn to pray out loud in front of other people in this context, and I, I think this is a, a great thing. For family dinner, I think as Catholics, oftentimes we're not comfortable praying aloud in the presence of others. That's not mm-hmm. been a th- typical thing in, in American Catholic culture, 
But one of the ways that we can, you know, provide our kids uh, an opportunity to learn how to do that is by, you know, modeling praying uh, after after uh, dinner uh, on behalf of the family, and then periodically letting other kids, you know, take a turn, maybe leading the family in prayer, or offering a f- prayer, an extemporaneous prayer on behalf of the family for, say, the thanksgivings and intentions that have been mentioned. So, mm. yeah, I, yeah. Th- I think that that idea of reading having scripture at the table really cannot be overemphasized there's a book called the hiding place about a mm. lady named Corey tenboom oh yeah um it's a great book i recommend it but her father every day yeah you know would pull you know mine at, too at the end of end of, end of dinner we're mm-hmm. gonna read read scripture and it just the the meal is such a focal point of family life right. um and so when you incorporate scripture into it it sets a tone subliminally and right. and obviously that scripture is an important thing. It's just as important as eating, right? right? Yeah. That like we would not live right. without this. Yeah, bread of life. Right. Yeah. Not by bread alone, but every word that comes forth from the mouth right. of God. Yeah. yeah, all that good stuff. So that analogy mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah. And sometimes you have to just you have to make that uh, a very important part of your, your your day. Like you have to order the day around that. This right? doesn't happen accidentally, right? You yeah, have to be all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means you have to give up certain things in order to make this happen. I think as you know, as fathers, we we have to guard our family time. Right. Um, from there's so many things like you were saying that that are uh, intruding in on family dinners on uh, you know at the very end of uh, of the day to pray together. There's so many things that are uh, distracting us right. from one another yeah. that we have to, as as fathers, we have to guard that mm-hmm. time for our family. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing we have to guard is, uh, and this is my next thing, my sixth thing, okay. one-on-one time. Mm. I think this is super important. And I think that every dad should try to have, you know, at least 15 minutes, uh, preferably more, like a half hour or something, even more than that would be great, but with each kid, at least once a week, check in with them, take a take a temperature, like, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, this is also an opportunity as, as your relationship grows with your kids to talk about their spiritual life, talk about how their prayer life is going, whether your kids are doing any spiritual reading or, or um, you know, have a, you know, times of mental prayer themselves, you know, developing their own independent kind of prayer life, you know, you want to foster that and... And, uh, but you know, so many things, um, uh, go by the wayside and don't get communicated because, uh, we don't spend individual time, you know, with, with each child. And this can be a danger, even in, you know, great Catholic families, you know, big Catholic family life, but you're always doing things communally. And if you're not intentional about it, uh, you'll find that, you know, several kids will not get actual time to like speak to you in private you know, even after the passage of a week, or you can even go a month and you haven't had like any private conversation with certain of your children. Mm. And, uh, and that's how things happen. Like surprise, you know, what if your daughter's is pregnant or, you know, surprise, <laughs> you get a call for the police and your son is down at the precinct, you know, and like what happened, you know? Yeah, right. And well, what, what happened was there were things going on in your kid's life and you didn't know it because you were so busy running to soccer practice or whatever that you actually weren't communicating privately with some of your kids. So that that weekly, at least weekly checkup. It's like just how how are things going? You know. So take a walk around the block, jump in the car, go get an ice cream cone, um, call them up on the phone if they're older. You know, whatever. But you know, have that is just just dad and just 
that child, you mm-hmm. know, at least for a, a few moments and, and have that conversation. Dave, you do a really good job uh, of that with your kids on, on Monday. <clears throat> well, yeah, so uh, once a month, I rotate. I mean, this is not a good enough in and of itself, but um, I'll have an adoration hour, 5 o'clock on Monday evenings, and so I'll take one of the kids with me. We go to adoration for the hour. Mm-hmm. Um, start, I start when they're three. Mm-hmm. Have to be, you have to be old enough, and my son, I might wait till he's a little older. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be old enough to be quiet for an hour, okay? Right. Like, I don't care if you color, you know, while we're in adoration, yeah. uh, but, you, you know, we're, we're going to do this together. And then we go out for dinner, and we always yeah. get dessert. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big dessert guy. Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's like, one-on-one time. I mean, right. And it's, you know, like, they look forward to it. They talk about it. Whose turn is it this time? You that's know? brilliant. Right, yeah. And, and also, it's really great. It's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, sure. Know? Yeah, win-win. Yeah. It's wonderful stuff. Yeah, yeah. So and 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 it that you know that cuts off at the pass all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. that could begin to develop in our kids' lives and, yeah. and go in the wrong direction. But you know you cut it off because they have a chance to talk it out with with dad and get get advice, and you have a chance to guide him and direct him a little bit and mm-hmm. suggest, hey, maybe not such a good idea to hang around with those people, and you know, and a good idea to do this kind of activity or whatever. Yeah, yeah, just great provides that opportunity for you to be present to them and be you know intimate in their lives mm-hmm. now I, I think that's yeah you have to and once again you have to be intentional mm-hmm. all right you, these things does do not, not happen, happen by accident it does not you have to put them on the calendar right plan them out and speaking of calendar that's my last thing celebrations you know and, and that's you know i'm a convert uh 30 years as a protestant then became catholic around age 30 and one of the great things about becoming Catholic is there's so many reasons to celebrate. Mm-hmm. There's so many more holidays uh, as a Catholic, so many more holy yeah. days, you know. And you find out that, you know, uh, the, well, the holidays that I grew up with were kind of like uh, a shriveled imitation of the liturgical calendar. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. like a, a tree that's had like two thirds of its branches cut off, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you find, oh, all the, all the missing festivals that kind of should have been there, right? And this is what Halloween was really about, you know, originally. This is the eve of all saints, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just love, love, love the, the liturgical calendar. There's always reason to celebrate, always reason to pick up, you know, a, a, a special dessert. Um, and, and then live into all those great cultural customs, you know. So there's like Mexican Chris, Christmas uh, habits. There's Irish, you know, uh, uh celebrations or holiday celebrations, mm-hmm. you know, all these different ethnic groups. We're all in the church. So lean into them, you know. Right. Be Mexican on Our Lady of Guadalupe and be Irish on St. Patrick's Day and all of that. And and kids get the idea, oh, wow, being Catholic's really fun. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we're out of time on the radio. Go check us out on thecatholicmanshow.com. You can check out the podcast and over 300 that we've done over the last six and a half years. I cannot go without saying, if you want to learn more about celebrations, look at In Tune with the World with Joseph Pieper, a wonderful book. Uh, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. Okay, we'll keep going. Gosh, that's so good. We got we we just a little bit longer. I love liturgical living. It's, bit, it's like, yeah. bottom line, more reasons to eat cake. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> but the reason why it's so great also is, is because... Uh, because of the liturgical calendar allows us to fast and right. feast. It's not yeah, yeah. just about eating the cake. Right, but you know, yeah. every day is a feast of something. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but, but you know, solemnities are more important for right. a reason, right? right. You know, yeah. Easter is so great because we're going yeah. through the 40 days, right? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Not, it's so very, it's, it's really human, 
to it works with the rhythms of our bodies and the rhythms of nature so yeah. at least if you're in the northern hemisphere uh, it kind of stinks to be australian i think but, you know, <laughs> Everything's wrong. <laughs> Are we standing upside down or something? <laughs> Why is it going the opposite way? <laughs> right. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, yeah. So is this like a? Do you, do you like record an appendage or something like that? Or yeah, just, yeah, for, yeah. just a few. Just yeah. for for the because we actually. So here's the deal. We actually have uh, on the radio. We ha- we're on a um, country music station. Oh, um, which they're hearing, they'll be hearing this right now, but uh, mm-hmm. in Texas. And so they, they air our show. So we actually have to go just a little longer than normal. K-S-E-Y. 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 Yeah. Does that so. spell something interesting? No. Just, just, just K- call, call letters. But you have to say it like a Texan. Yeah. K-S-E-Y. K-S-E-Y. Y. Yeah. There, there you go. There, there it is. There it is. A couple syllables in Y. Right. <laughs> so, so what was it about, uh, you know, so 30 years old, about 30 years old, you convert to Catholicism. Yeah. You were reading, obviously, scripture. You went going through the semin- Protestant seminary. What, mm. what, what drew you? Yeah. So I get down to the campus of Notre Dame to study with a Protestant who was teaching there uh, in scripture. And um, I run into this guy that has three qualities that I never thought I'd find in the same human being. He was highly intelligent, full of the Holy Spirit, and Catholic. I'm like, how does that happen without creating an explosion? You know, mm-hmm. it's like contradictory. You know, because yeah. if because if he's you know because I'll tell you why because all, all the Catholics that I've met in my life, I, I pigeonhole them in one of two categories. They're either either they're indifferent. Or they're ignorant, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, so, a lot of us do fall into one yeah, of those two yeah, categories. Yeah, I know. Or wolf. Yeah. Right. So um, but anyway, so this this Catholic guy, he's obviously not indifferent because like the Holy Spirit's like oozing out of his ears, you know, so it's just so full of joy and you know, talking to people about God all the time. And so not indifferent and kid's super smart. You know, he's he's like two years younger than I am, but he's three years ahead of me in a doctoral program. And can run circles around me theologically, even though I had two master's degrees from one of the most rigorous Protestant seminaries <laughs> in in the country. Uh-huh. And so, so I'm like, how do I excuse his Catholicism? It's like, why would a highly intelligent, Holy Spirit filled person stay in the Catholic Church? Like, I met Catholic Charismatics. And I'm like, I'm not sure that their elevator goes to the top floor. Right. <laughs> so, uh, like, Jesus is going to be nice to them. They just didn't get out of the Catholic church because there wasn't a lot going on, you know? <laughs> and then I had met, you know, highly attached Catholics who are just like going through the motions uh-huh. and pleasing their, maybe if they went to mass at all, it was to make their mom happy or whatever. And I knew what those people were about. So, but this guy was a contradiction and you know, like, so he's not in there because he doesn't know theology, doesn't know church history. And it's not just because he's, too inert to go somewhere else. So what's going on? So we get together and we start talking and I start, you know, running all my critiques of Catholicism against him. And then he starts doing something very unfair. He starts answering from scripture. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, no, 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 you you can't do that. That's my thing. (laughs) Me Protestant, you Catholic, (laughs) right? right? (laughs) I quote scripture, you quote popes. Right. Like not supposed to be that way, you know? And I'm like, I, I, I honestly, I felt like offended that he would quote scripture. How, to d- how dare you, sir? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. This is like, it's, that's against the rules right. somehow. 
And but but he would, and and it it, it floored me, and I, I was I was flabbergasted. I'd you know I'd met many Catholics, obviously, and evangelized Catholics when I was in urban. Uh, it was in an urban ministry. It was a, a down, inner city pastor. And uh, and he's coming back to me with scripture, and I was I was befuddled. And, and one time I tried to nail him on Mary as Queen of Heaven. Um, I saw this image on the campus in Notre Dame of of the Blessed Mother, and uh, it said Mary Queen of Heaven. I'm like, okay, I got one for you. Find me one passage in scripture that gives any support to Mary being Queen of Heaven. Oh well, have you read Revelation? Revelation? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what he did. Right. Revelation 12. He yeah. went right straight to Revelation 12. And begins exegeting it, you know, like interpreting it. And I was like, and I had read Revelation many times in my life. My mom had started me reading the Bible through in a year as a devotional practice. And I kept that up all through high school and college. And I'd gone through Revelation many times. Never occurred to me that that, you know, but, but, but when he laid it out, I mean, you've got this woman. She's up in the heavens. She's got a crown, and then she gives birth to the Messiah. So, like, how much... Here's the dots. Right. Connect, yeah. How can that not be connected some way to the Blessed Mother, right? right? So, that knocked me back. I thought, wow, he's really got something there. And so, that I actually began to open up and listen to him more carefully. And and over, over weeks of meeting together, he basically... Um, you know, showed me that you could defend the Catholic faith from Scripture, but I still felt like I could defend my Calvinist faith from Scripture. So it was like these two competing systems, you know. It was like, well, who's to vote for one or the other? And at that mm-hmm. point, he said, well, why don't we go to the earliest of the church fathers and let them cast the deciding vote? Like, that's a bo- that's a great move. It really is a great move, and but I, a, I thought it was going to win it for si- me. It's a, it's a death sentence for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, it, oh yeah, that sounds good. I'm sure they were Calvinists. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we start reading We start reading Clement of Rome and Ignatius of Antioch. Right. Which he had already read. He knew which he already, yeah, right, right, right. He, he, knew, he knew where this was going to go. I mean, go. let's just see what they say. Yeah, <laughs> let's just, yeah, yeah. For example. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could be yeah, right, yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah, maybe, you know. you know, let's just, yeah. So we're reading through, and, you know, Ignatius Anik is saying things like, uh, wherever the bishop is, there is the Catholic Church, only that Eucharist is valid, which is approved by your bishop, you know, all these extremely Catholic-sounding things. And then the kicker was, I get to St. Ignatius of Antioch, writing in the year 106, okay? So Apostle John's only been dead 10 years. We're talking really, really, really early. Wasn't he a disciple of He was a disciple of Apostle John. Disciple of Apostle John. Apostle John recently deceased. He's kind of John's successor in a way. And, And he warns this church that he's passing by. He's passing by this town of Smyrna in modern-day Turkey, and he writes him a letter, and he says, among a bunch of other things, he says, stay away from anyone who refuses to confess the Eucharist to be the flesh of our Savior Jesus Christ, which suffered for our sins and which the Father raised for our salvation. Now, notice it doesn't say who uh, saved us from our sins and, and who uh, was raised for our salvation. It was it's which okay. Interesting. Yeah. So it's it, you. I, I got out the Greek because I had a, a major in Greek from my undergraduate preparing for seminary, and I looked at it and it's no. It's like the what they call the pronouns. You know, the relative pronoun goes back to flesh and not to Jesus. So it's the flesh that suffered, the flesh that was raised. What I mean by that is it's like very physical, it's very tangible. It's not just like Jesus in some kind of spiritual sense. 
It's like, no, stay away from anyone who refuses to confess that the Eucharist is the flesh, the very same flesh that suffered and the very same flesh that was raised. It's one of the most, it's the strongest and the earliest testimony to the real presence Mm -hmm. outside Mm. of Scripture itself. And I was absolutely floored. And I kept reading it and rereading it and thinking to myself, there's no way to get a symbolic interpretation out of what he just said. He is ruling out all symbolic interpretations and saying, this is just the flesh and you're not a true Christian if you don't confess that. And, um, and then I went back in the New Testament, look at all the New Testament passages on the Eucharist, and it struck, struck me for the first time that the plain sense of all those passages was the Eucharist just is Jesus' body. And I thought, this is ironic. I'm the Protestant. I'm all about the right. plain sense. Yeah. And now this Catholic is going to outdo me on the plain sense of Scripture. I'm going to stay out of the Catholic Church because they take Scripture too literally. Uh-huh. That is too... <laughs> That is too ironic for me. I mean, I just can't. feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then I went into later, I was like, well, what if Ignatius is just a one-off, right? Maybe he's the only father that says no. Scout's <laughs> like, no, he's not a one-off. Yeah. So Augustine, who we revered as Calvinists, I found passages where Augustine says, Jesus held himself in his own hands at the Last Supper. Or another place where Augustine says, it's not a sin to worship the Eucharist, it's a sin not to worship the Eucharist. And I was just, again, totally floored because we had this respect. We thought Augustine was like the proto-Calvin as, mm-hmm. as Calvinists. So anyway, that's it in a nutshell, guys. And then like within about 36 hours of reading Ignatius of Antioch, I decided on the basis of the Eucharist alone, I, I had to join the Catholic Church. No kidding. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Praise I God. had to join the Catholic Church. How'd your wife take it? Um, she was kind of coming along in, on her own journey of um, praying the rosary with the with the Catholic ladies in the in this um, uh, community that we lived. We lived on campus at the University of Notre Dame, and in a graduate student housing. And so, just for social reasons, at first she would went and hang out with the other wives, but they would pray the rosary together. And after a while, she learned to pray, and then she started to develop a relationship with the Blessed Mother. Hmm. And uh, so she was, you know, like quick, a f- quick way to become yeah, Catholic. Exactly, you know. So she was a few steps behind me on the journey, but. She ended up catching up, and That's we such came an at interesting, the same time. Yeah. interesting approach, though, because most people say, "Oh, Mary was the last thing." Yeah, you know? that was for it, me. It, it was. was. It was the first thing for but her. It was for first How thing for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but beautiful, beautiful well, thing. Well, Doctor Bergsma, thank you so much for being here, the, yeah. sharing your story, yeah. uh, and for all the work you do. Thank you, yeah. serving our Thanks Lord for having me on. out there in Steubenville, yeah, and, and at home, yeah, both, yeah, absolutely. Got to keep it real. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Hi, this is Bishop David Condorla of the Diocese of Tulsa in Oklahoma. So let us pray. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired with this confidence, I fly to thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen.